Amen. So we're if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to St. John. We're in chapter 13. We're going to finish that up uh, in, uh, tonight, uh, verses 31 through 38. Who would read that for me, please? Therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself, and shall straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. Ye shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, Whither I go, ye cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have loved one to another. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, where the goest thou? Jesus answered him, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me now but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Amen. Uh, this is a very familiar story, and it starts off, and it, and it mentions that therefore he was going out gone out, it's talking about Judas Iscariot when Jesus had told him to go and do quickly what he must do after he gave him the sop. So he's got he's gone. Uh, he, he's not here right now and uh and 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 they don't know it yet, but their world is fixing to be turned upside down. Now how many of his world have been turned upside down? Yeah we can relate to this can't we? They don't know what's coming and, and you know it, it it, it's really a kind thing that God don't let us see the future. That God don't let us know when things, you know, it, life would be miserable if you knew that tomorrow somebody in your family was going to become deathly sick or get killed in a wreck or even in your time. I don't want to know those things to you. And so they, they didn't, Jesus knew, but he knew they didn't know. So he's trying to his best to prepare them for what's coming. And so when he, he begins to talk to him to them after Judas had left out, uh, he, he, he makes the remark that, uh, and, and I want to I want to go ahead and, and reiterate what something I said last Sunday that this is the only gospel where at this point after Judas leaves, there's very little said in the other gospels about what was talked about uh, uh, before they go out to the Garden of Eden, uh, before they go out to the Garden of Gethsemane, excuse me, Garden of Gethsemane. And they're not going to Eden. But uh, there's very little in those other Gospels said about what Jesus Christ talked about. So John, the next four chapters are exactly what Jesus taught them in that short period of time. Now remember, they were up all night, which is uncharacteristic of that era for people not to go to bed. Okay? So they were up late. There was a lot of stuff going on. Jesus was troubled in his spirit because he knew what's coming. Uh, and it kind of shifted over to the rest of them. They realized that he was not acting normal himself. Uh, you know, he had washed their feet. He had done things that they hadn't seen him do before. And he and he's trying to, to just talk to them and tell them and get them prepared for what's coming that's going to really mess them up. And and so uh, he's uh, he, he, he starts off by telling them in verse 31, now is the Son of Man glorified and God is glorified in him. The purpose of, of Jesus' work, the purpose of every word he said, the purpose of every miracle he did was to glorify the Father. Okay? That's something he wants us to know. That the, the work that we do is for his glorification because he glorifies the Father. Amen? And so we are to, the work and the things that we do are, are to honor and glorify Jesus Christ, which in turn glorifies the Father. Because that's that's what we've been called to do. So he he tells us, have we greatly benefited from the glorification of Christ? What what is the benefit of what is the glorification of Christ? Anybody tell me? It, it's not that he's on the throne right now. That, that's not what he's talking about. What's he talking about? 
He's talking about his death, his burial, his resurrection. This is what the glorification of Christ is about. This is the purpose that he came for. This is what sets him apart from everything and everybody else. He came for this purpose and he calls it the glorification of himself and the glorification of the Father. And so the Father has, has led him into this. He goes and prays to the Father here after a while to, to let this pass from him, but he can't, he can't let it go because uh, without this glorification, there will be no benefit to humankind after he's gone. Okay? And so we have to understand this, and he's trying to get them to understand this, and, and they seem like their minds get put on everything but what he's trying to, to get them to understand. And it's so important that they understand this stuff. This is very, very important stuff. And so he tells them that if God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself and shall, shall straightway glorify him. And, and, and then he makes a remark to them. He said, he said uh, I'm with y'all for a little while. I'm going to be with y'all for just a little while. And they didn't know it was just going to be another day. They didn't know that. But it's just going to be another day. He's going to be with them. And he said, you're going to, you're going to seek me. And he, they, he had already heard, uh, the, they had already heard Jesus say to the Jews that he was going to go away. And remember, they mumbled, where's he going? The other Jews. So they knew that he was speaking to those other Jews, but it hadn't dawned on them that he was also speaking to them. And we have to be careful in the Word of God that we don't declare that that Word talking to somebody else. It's talking to us too. Talking to all of us. And so he, he said, you're going to seek me as, and, and as I said unto the Jews, whether I go, you cannot, you cannot come. So now I say to you. And now he does something extraordinary for that time. What does he do? It's almost, if, if they didn't believe who he was, it would be blasphemous. What does he do? I'm going to give you a new commandment, which would have been, if he had said that in the audience of those priests, high priests, that would have been blasphemy. Who, who are you? Who do you think only God can give commandments? That's right. <laughs> and so he gives it to those people who he knows believe in him. He gives them this new commandment. What is this new commandment? That you, that you love one another. And notice it's not a request. I've said that a lot of times when preaching about these things. Because it's said over and over and over that we are to love one another. Mm -hmm. And here he said, he, he makes it plain, this is a commandment. And it's a new commandment. It's a commandment you've never heard before this way. And he said, so I'm going to give you this, this uh, new commandment and that you love one another. And how? How are we to love each other? As he loved them. As Jesus loved them, he said, I want you to love one another like I have loved you. Boy, that puts pressure on all of us, don't it? Mm -hmm. Amen. Now, he, he just got through washing Judas' carriage feet. Amen? That's so, the bar high, you can see it, right? That, that, that sets the bar really high, don't it? Yeah. And, and so we have no excuse not to love each other in Christ Jesus. In, I said that, in Christ Jesus. Now, the Lord calls different peoples to the church. We've we got different backgrounds, there's different age groups, there's different people who make different incomes, there's people who've got different jobs, there's people who don't work, there's all kinds of people in the church. There's people who you never think has a need as far as finances, and there's people that every time you try to get you're helping them. God knew that when he called us together. He knew who these people were. He knew, and he called us together. And his commandment is to love those people. Love them. And be a servant to them. That's what he taught them in the previous verses. Servanthood. Serve them. Meet their needs. Help them. Okay? And, and don't think you're too good to be around anybody. And don't think you're too good to do any task. There's no menial task when we do it for the glory of Jesus Christ. When we do it for the glory of God, there's no such thing as a menial task. 
Amen. If you do it for the glory of the Lord, He honors it. And there's no, you remember we said this last week. He said, "I'm going to anybody who gives the least of my children a cup of water will in no wise lose their reward." So that's how menial He goes to. If we do it for his, the glory of Jesus Christ, it means something to Him. Amen. Means something to him. So he said, this new commandment I've, get, I've given to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Now we, we, stuck, we had that sermon from 1 John last, last Sunday that was about love. It was about, and it said twice in, the, in our scripture text for that day, it described God both times as God is love. It didn't say love is God. It said God is love. And, if God, and he also said that if God dwells in you, you will have love for one another. And if you hate your brother, you don't have God and you're a liar. Mm -hmm. Wow. Now that was pretty strong stuff, wasn't it? Yeah. This is where he got it from. He listened to this. And when he got filled with the Holy Spirit that's coming that Jesus is fixing to tell them all about, he understood these words and he was able to write that letter and he knew exactly what Jesus meant by that. And so he don't, John didn't pull any punches when he wrote that, uh, those letters. He talked boldly, he talked, he talked plainly, he talked to the point, and he said things as you read them like, if you don't love one another, the love of God is not in you, and if you say you love God and hate your brother, you're a liar. That's strong language. There's fighting words. Where I came from. Yeah. Amen? And so he uses the strongest language in that. And this is where he got it from. And then he, Jesus says to add to that. Yeah, we hear people all the time, well, you know, I don't believe they're a Christian because they don't do this, 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 and this. We got whole denominations that tells us if you don't do certain things, then you don't have Jesus. I mean, it's, just, it's weird how the, some of the things they'll tell you. That, that if you don't do these things, and it really... It's their way to control you. But this is what Jesus says. Because after he gave us this commandment, he says something after that that is the absolute truthful evidence of us being in him and him being in us. What is it? What does he say? By this, what is this? That you have a love for one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. Now, how much planner can it give than that? So all this, and I've quoted this scripture to people who want to tell me I didn't have it because I didn't do this. But that ain't what Jesus said. Jesus didn't tell me what you're telling me. Amen? He didn't tell me that I had to speak with tongues or I had to be able to perform miracles or I had to have this gift. He didn't tell me that stuff. Jesus didn't tell me that here either. But he did tell them this. If you can't love one another, they're not going to know who you are. But if you can love one, you know why he puts it to us like that? Because sometimes people are hard to love. I know I'm hard to love sometimes. And we all are. But we are to love one another despite how hard it is to We are to put out the effort because he commanded us to do that. <coughs> it's important that we love one another because when people come in this building, they need to see the love of God in us and the love of God in us is portrayed as we love each other. And if we don't love each other, the love of God, according to John, is not in us. Well, we better pay attention to this stuff. This is plain talk right here. This is straight talk right here. This is hard talk right here. It is truth. And it's truth that's not sugarcoated. We have to love one another. Amen? Mm -hmm. That's what he says. He said, by this all men know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. What's the opposite of that? If you don't have love for one another, what does that mean? Not <laughs> You're not his disciple. That's what he says. That's what he's telling us. And boy, Simon Peter, now after, after, he, after he tells that this is the new commandment, this is the very evidence that you have been with Jesus 
He ain't heard a word he said. He, because see, he's still 10 verses back. Uh -huh. He's he actually, <laughs> I don't want to make fun of anybody, but we've done that here. We'll get through with a, with a chapter and somebody says, well, let's go back to verse 5. And we're, we're already through with verse 35 or 45 or whatever. And that's what Peter does here. Now, wait a minute, Lord. Uh, let's, let's go back to... Where are you going? Let's go back to verse 33. You sit where you go and I can't come. So he, what did he do? He missed the whole thing about the new commandment. Because he's still in his brain. He's still trying to chew on why he can't follow Jesus. Why he can't go where you're going. And that's the reason I said a while ago, they didn't think he was talking about them. He thought he was talking about all the rest of them Jews couldn't follow him, but we're following you. Now, did he have a good reason to think that way? He did. You know why? These men had given up everything. They had left their homes, they had left their jobs, they had left everything to follow Jesus, and they had followed him to this point. Now he tells them they can't, he can't go, they, that they can't go with him anymore. Peter said, we're going to clarify this. And, and do you understand why he would? I do. I do. Lord, I've given up everything to follow you. You, you said, come follow me. And he did say that to him, didn't he? Yeah. And now you're telling me where you're going. I can't follow you. I don't understand. Uh -huh. So before we get too raunchy with Peter, we need to look at our own selves sometimes. Mm -hmm. We can't understand something that the Lord says. We can't understand the ways of God. We can't understand sometimes even the will of God. And we have to be careful that we don't get in the way of the will of God or we don't talk bad about the way of God. And listen to me. I have actually heard people discredit God because of things that were happening. You ever heard anybody say that? What's God think He's doing? Where is He? Why is He doing something about this? Why is He letting this stuff? We hear that all the time. Peter said, Lord, where do you go? Where are you going? And Jesus answered him again, whether I go, you, now he tells him point blank, you cannot go. Told Peter point blank, where I go, you cannot go with me now. See that? He didn't tell him he couldn't follow him later, but you can't go with me now. Because you know what it's going to take to follow him? Death or rapture. Whichever one comes first is what's going to take to follow him where he is. And so he says, you can't follow me now, but that, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Because the scripture says there's a point unto a man wants to die. And so he knew, well, he knew when Peter was going to die. He also knew how he was going to die. He almost told him that one time. And so he said, and so Peter says unto him, Lord, why can't I follow thee now? <laughs> no one of the scripture says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. We're not too good at waiting sometimes, are we? I won't mind when. Now! Uh -huh. I don't want to wait. I want to go with you. <laughs> Yet when you, when you had the little kids and you had to go somewhere and you didn't need them to go with you and they throw, how many ever had a kid throw a fit? I want to go No, you can't go. No, you can't go. And go. I did it when I was a kid. Go off and pout. Well, here's Peter. <laughs> Little kid. I want to go. I want to go too. And then he says something that really is kind of ridiculous. I'm going to follow you. And, and I will lay down my life for you. Now, we've already talked about this previously. I really believe Peter would have laid down his life for Jesus the night they arrested him. He drew his sword. He cut off a man's ear. 
And it kind of messed with him when the Lord told him, don't. Put him in his place. He put him in his place. Why? That was not the will of God, nor was it the way of God to hurt somebody with that sword. I think that's what led him to deny him three times also. Well, I don't know about all that, but I know he, he was chewing on, on this very stuff right here. He's already chewing on these things before it ever happens. And he said, I will lay down my life for thy sake. And look what Jesus says to him. Wilt thou lay down? He asked him a question. Wilt thou lay down thy life for me? We, we need to be careful in our arrogance and pride sometimes in what we're saying what we will do. Probably okay. if, uh, if Jesus hadn't stopped him when Peter, when he cut off his ears, they'd probably wind up all of them getting killed. And that, that's what would have happened. They, the mob would have killed all of them. He had to stop them. He had to stop them. But see, the point is, is that Jesus didn't want Peter to die for him. He didn't need him to. If he needed him to die for him, he would have died. That wasn't, that wasn't the plan. That wasn't the plan. It wasn't the will of the Lord. He had other plans for Peter has got to be the apostle to the Jewish people. That might have been a point, though, for him and the rest of the disciples for it to be apparent to them what would have happened to them when, if they kept following him after that point. And that's why he denied him, because they were missing him. And then when they, after he was apprehended, they realized, hey, if they even associated with being with him, the same thing was going to happen to him. Yeah. And, and there's a picture. Yeah. There's a picture here. We can't assume we know what God's fixing to do. And, and we don't need to make plans for what we're going to do for Jesus. We need to let Jesus make plans for what we're going to do for him. Does that make sense to you? Mm -hmm. we, we talk all the time about people who just do things for the Lord. They're not asking the Lord what to do. They just look around and say, you know what, I think I need to do this and I'm going to get some credit for this. I'm going to do this for the church. I'm going to do, do this for... Well, wait a minute. Did, did the Lord tell you that? And so he's telling them, he's trying to tell them, he's already told them, where I go, you can't follow me. And they will not take that. No, I, we're going anyway. Peter, I'm going anyway. And so he, he, he set Peter straight. He gives Peter a lot more to chew on. He asked him the question, will you lay down your life for my sake? And then he tells him this, because he, he prophesies. It's a short prophecy, but it's a prophecy that's going to come to pass in the next 24 hours. He says, Barely, barely I say unto thee, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me three times. Now, the scripture don't say a rebuttal by Peter. I think in one of the other gospels he said he would never do that. But here, Jesus tells him that. He becomes a prophet and he prophesies ahead of time what he knows is going to happen to Peter. And Peter would be reminded of this. He will remember, if he don't remember nothing else about what's said here, he's going to remember that statement right there. You know, why would he remember? Because it probably hurt his feelings, it probably hurt his feelings or chapped his hide. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Nita was showing me stuff today in a book she's reading about truth. And, and the author of this book makes a remark that we don't really want to know truth sometimes. Because truth puts us in our place. Truth tells us whether if we're doing wrong. It also tells us if we're doing right. Now, we don't mind being told we're doing right. But when we're told we're not doing right, we don't like that. And that's what opens the door for preachers to tickle your ear and tell you you're doing good. That opens the door because that's what people want to hear. Jesus never does that. He tells truth. You don't have any questions about this. And so he told Peter the truth. He gave him a question to think about, and then he told him what was going to happen. And that's what Peter, and Peter don't forget it, because when it does happen, he instantly remembers these very words right here. All right? Any questions about this?
Okay. So, like I said before, you know, there may be a time we die for the Lord. Now, what, what is the reason we would die for the Lord? To never denounce Him. Never denounce our faith. We, we should be willing to lay down our life before we do that. Because if you do that to save your life, Jesus made it very plain. If you deny me before men, I'm going to deny you before my Father. He's made it very plain. That's a taboo thing to do. Amen? The mark of the beast. The mark of the beast. If a person takes the mark of the beast, signifies that they do not believe in Christ. They believe in the beast. And they chose their master. And they, and, and they will go to heaven. I mean to hell. Yeah. Excuse me. They will go to hell. We'll get into that revelation at some point. The people who take that mark will go to hell. Amen? And so we don't get to denounce our faith. We don't get to deny Jesus. And Peter is lucky that he had an opportunity to repent from that. That they didn't kill him. Of course, it was in God. God wasn't going to let him kill Peter. He, but Peter don't know that. That's why he lied. Why he said what he did. Okay. Somebody read for me in uh, St. John, chapter 14, the first four verses. Y'all, I probably preached sermons out of this scripture right here half a dozen times, even since I've been here. Uh, 14, 1 through 4, please. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house were many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Okay, so Jesus tells them something that, uh, once again, we're going to see here in a minute, this befuddles them. Okay. And and he he has his mind on where he's going. Jesus does. Where's he going? He knows he's fixing to go back to the same problem. But he also knows what he's got to do to get there. And he wants to go back there. And he, and he made he, and he did leave glory to come here. And so what does he tell us? Because he knows that when this happens. He knows that when they see him beaten, when they see him led through the street, when they see him scoffed, when they see him spit upon, when they see people uh, kick at him and revile him, they're going to see these things. They're going to see them nail him to a cross. They're going to see him die. They're going to see all of this. They know he's in a grave. They know he's dead. And look what he says. They don't know this yet, but he does. And he knows something's going to be, go bad and wrong when this happens to him. What is, he, what is it? Their hearts are going to be greatly distressed. Amen? They are going to be afraid for their own lives. And it's going to blow their minds because Jesus is going to die and they never thought he was. Because they still don't understand who he is. They, they, they know who he is, but they don't understand his purpose. They still think, from the old teaching that they've been channeled into their mind, that he's going to lead a revolt against Rome. They still think that. They, they ask him that when he ascends. <laughs> think about it. Even if they watch him ascend, the, the, before he ascends, they're going to ask him that same question again. Right, when, are you, when are we going to do that? Amen? And so he says, so he, he gives them a warning. Let not your heart be troubled. Now, how many of you never worry? I don't see no hand up. We worry, don't we? We worry about everything, don't we? We worry all the time, don't we? We worry about our kids. We worry about our grandkids. We worry about because they ain't doing what we think they ought to be doing. Amen? They ain't acting. They ain't doing it. I thought I brought them up. We worry. 
And look what he said, and, and that's what he means by trouble. Don't don't let your heart be troubled. Don't don't worry. Don't stress. And what it, what does he tell us to do to help us not do that? Believe on him. Believe. I wish I I heard a scripture quoted the other day. I wish I had marked it or wrote it down, where it says that we are to place all of our cares on him. He, that's what he tells us to do. Cast all your cares upon him. Why? Because I care for you. I don't want you worried. I want you to hand it to me. I want you to give it to me. I want you to put it in my hand because you're in my hand. And I want to put it, you to put it in my hand and I can handle this. Amen? Don't try to figure out the solution on your hand it to me and let me take care of it. And here's the kicker. Just like everything else, he don't do it the way we would do it. He don't do it in the same time frame we would do it. And it makes us, like Peter, a little addled. That's in 1 Peter 5 7. Okay, 1 Peter 5 and 7. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. Now, now listen, he don't want us to worry. He, even in the Old Testament, the, the writers of Proverbs, he said, kind of let them change his spots. We got to say it. Can you pick yourself up by your bootstraps? There's some things that's just going to happen around us, and there ain't no point of worrying about them. We just got to get through them. And he said, "So believe on me." That's what he said. And I, listen. You say, well, "Brother Gary, I guess you can." I have just as much trouble as the next person doing that scripture right there. I worry. Amen. Even though I shouldn't, I do. So, but he does not want us to be worried about things. Now, now let me, here's another thing, in his church, because I think he, this is a, is, is a little bit broader. It, it's not, I don't think, just worried, not worrying about paying bills or worrying about this. It's not just that. What it is is don't worry about preaching the gospel. Don't worry about witnessing for Christ. Do those things. If you believe in me, do those things. And do it in truth. And we're going to get to that here in just a minute, it, maybe, if we get there. So, while he's still got this time, he wants to teach these disciples, don't be troubled. You, he said, don't be troubled. He said, uh, you believe in God, believe also in me. And then he tells them, he starts telling them something that I like. This is one of my favorite scriptures. I really do love this. And what is this? He, he tells them why they don't need to worry. He gives them a little glimpse. He gives them, because see, that's what he's doing right now. He's revealing more and more of himself and more and more of his mission and more and more of the results of his mission. That's what these next four chapters is all going to be about. He has this time that he's going to tell them these things before it's time for him to be arrested. And so he, he tells them, he said, in my father's house are many mansions. And I, you, can you just see them now? What's this got to do with anything? I, I, we we want to follow you. What, what's this got to do with anything? And then he adds this. He said, if it were not so, I wouldn't have told you. And then he tells them why there's mansions where he's going. What's that reason? He, he says, I'm telling you this because where I am is where you're going to be. Amen. Did you know that's what keeps me going? Amen. Has any of you just, I'm tired, I'm just throwing my hand up quick. I know that it happens to people. What happens to me too. But you know why we can't quit? You know why we can't stop? You know why we don't need to start all over again somewhere else? You know why? <coughs> Just like when they told him that he had the words of life, where will we go? It all comes back to him. It all comes it, back all to him. All you're going to do is wander around and not make no headway and have the same problem. Have, it, it, it. That's why we just. That's why the world we gonna just keep beating you down and everything else. That's why we studied those seven churches in Revelation. It's not just about us being allowed to see them. Is that all of these churches had some issues, had something going on with them? Mm -hmm. 
And so he's trying to tell you, stay where I put you and worship me. Believe in me. <laughs> Amen. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in me. <clears throat> Look at me. Follow me. And he allows us to do that. He said, so in my father's house of many mansions, and he said, if it were not so, I would not have told you. Then he says, I'm going to prepare this place for you. Guess what? He's still doing that. Woo! 2,000 years later, he's still working on that place. That's cool, isn't it? I think. Now, what does the world try to do right now? You know, the world, through the changing of the Scripture, and y'all, I, I know y'all get tired of hearing me harp on this, but I can't help myself. Through the redefining of sin, through the redefining of words, through the redefining of words that changes the Scripture, what the world tells us now? I mean mansions. That word don't mean mansions. Well, I guess the Holy Ghost didn't know that. Yeah. It's just dwelling places now. Yeah, the dwelling places are, are rooms. You got rooms. You, got you don't have rooms. You got a hotel room. He said, he said right there, in my father's house are. Right now, at this very moment. That's right. The there. mansions are there already. That's right. Amen. Yeah. It's just like when he was slain before the foundations of earth it was good as done then even though it didn't happen probably millions of years later you know that's right it, it is yeah he said he said there are many mansions and then he said i go to prepare a place for you there's a mansion up there if you have, or name is written in the Lamb book of life got your name on it mm -hmm. and i don't want the cabin i don't want the room do you i want the promise of the lord his promises are yea and amen that means when he says it, that means what he, he means what he says. He says what he means, and it'll be just that way. I want my mansion, don't you? And so the redefining of the Word of God, the redefining of Scripture, makes that not look as appealing as this Bible makes it look. Amen? Just like the, 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 the words that they use make sin not look as bad. That there's no wrath in, with God. It's He's not happy. It's kind of like the whole, he's going to be back in a few days. You know, they pull up, it's been a couple, like 2,000 years. But they don't like to add that point, you know, date of the Lord's a thousand days here. On our yeah, yeah, Peter, Peter addressed that. Yeah, Peter addressed that. I mean, they, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day of the Lord. A couple of days, I mean. Time don't, he, yeah. listen, he'll live in time. And when we go with him, we're not going to live in time either. There ain't going to be no clocks there. There ain't going to be no need of them because there ain't going to be no sun, moon, or stars. The lamp's going to be the light thereof. There ain't never going to be dark. Amen. That's why I get all the, you ought to hear kids when you're talking about this stuff. You mean we ain't got to go to bed? <laughs> I don't have to go to bed. It's going to be cool there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it ain't never going to be dark. We get to play all the time. <laughs> they need to know that the kids need to know that amen and, and so and, and of course a few times I'd tell mine well it gets dark here go to bed so, anyway so he said if it hadn't been this way I wouldn't have told you that and if look at this he gives them oh the beautiful, most beautiful promise and if I go prepare a place for you I will do what now listen we're going to get glorified bodies, but we ain't going to be able to make that trip without Him. Mm -hmm. Amen? He, he said, I'm not going to take you there. You're not going to go there by yourself. I'm going to come get you. I like that, don't you? And that's the reason I believe when a person draws their last breath and their spirit and their soul leaves their body, I believe He is the one that ushers them there. I believe that. I always have believed that. I've always believed that. He didn't say he's going to send an angel to come again. He didn't say he didn't know. He said, if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you mm -hmm. unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way you know. Now, he, he, he puts this out there, and again, dang, I see what he 
He, now he's telling them that they know the way after they after he tells them they can't follow him. Now he tells them that they know the way to, to the place where he's going. Can you imagine? They're scratching their head. Peter's still fuming over he's gonna deny him, he's mad. Yeah, and they're, they're thinking. He, and he's bringing, he's posing questions, and y'all, I'm just throwing that in, just for colorization. The Bible don't say Peter was scratching his head thinking, but you, you know they are. You know they are. And, and that's what causes us to miss things sometimes that Christ says. And so he says, and whether I go, you know, and the way you know. Now he did this to get their attention, and he does. And who speaks up? Let's look. Somebody read for me uh, chapter 5, uh, verse 5 through uh, 14, please. I'll read. Okay. Jesus said to him, uh, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am the Father? am in the Father, and the Father in me. The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Okay, so this, this scripture right here, now he gets down to really starting to teach some things. He really starts to, to, to show them some things and teach them some, some things. Now he's got two other of the apostles they're listening intently and they're asking questions. Now, are questions good to ask the Lord? Yes. Absolutely. Jesus said, he's already told these guys, you have not because you ask not. You need to ask questions. You need to seek. You need to knock. And you will find. You you seek me while I can be found and you'll find me. And Jesus even asked, God, can this cup pass from me? Yeah. I mean, questions are good. It, uh, like Brother Carlisle said, as long as you remember who you're asking that question to. Yeah, remember who you're talking to when you ask him a question. And and uh, and so uh, he he Thomas looks at him and said, Lord, we know not where you're going. How how can we know the way? Jesus knew this question was going to be asked, and he gives us one of the greatest scriptures and one of the most preached about scriptures. And one of the one of the, the the most believed and quoted scriptures. I quoted the scripture lots and lots and lots. It's, it, he as, as he begins to to say to to Thomas that after Thomas told him, he said, "How how can we know where you are going? How can we know the way?" Boy, I bet that really confused after he said all this. And, but here he get he takes the opportunity. You know, in John, he gives us seven I am statements. And this is one of the I am statements that leads in, this, this question leads into that, of who he is. Jesus in these I am statement, statements is telling him what the Godhead looks like. Okay? He's telling them what the Godhead looks like. He, 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 he is the one who teaches them the Trinity of God, the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost. He, Jesus Christ teaches them this. And why people cannot see that, I, it's beyond me. I can't understand how they can read these scriptures that we're fixing to study and cannot see that God is in three persons, yet He's one. I just I can't comprehend how they can understand anything of the scripture and not understand that. Amen? 
And if you don't understand it, I pray before we get through with this study of John that you do understand more about it. So Jesus tells them, he said, I am the way. Now, I am the truth. Amen? And I am the life. And then he adds something to that. It's very important that we know. And no man, nobody, will come unto the Father except by me. That's the very basis, the foundation of our, our faith right there. That's it. There ain't no other way. There's no other way. And, and, you, and you do it his way or you don't go. You don't get to create your own way. You don't get to invent your own way. You don't get to make up your own rules. You don't get to make up your own commandments. You don't get to say that that don't apply to me, that the old don't apply to the... You don't get to say none of that. Amen? Because he's the way. That's as plain and simple as you can get it right there. Amen? We don't get to change that. Brother Gary. Yes, ma'am. I got to tell a sweet story about little Zane the other day. Last week I stayed with him in Genoa because he's still out of school. And I wore that T-shirt, you know, the one that we said, with the way, the truth, and the lies. And Zane was looking at my shirt, and he, he wanted to see all of it. And so he said those words out, and I said, do you know the rest of that verse? And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Amen. <laughs> I just melted. Amen. Praise the Lord. He's eight years old. They need to know that. If there's anything we can teach them at home and in, and in the nursery and in children's church and in church is that there ain't no other way. If you get away from Jesus, you get out of, you got away from the way to heaven. You don't want to go to heaven, that's the way. Just don't follow Jesus. And, and you'll get where you want to go. You may not know, know where you're going, but you're going to get there. Amen? And so he, he said this to them, I am the way. I am the truth and I am life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. And, and if you had known this, he said, if you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And henceforth you know him and have seen him. Boy, now, now he's really stirred up. Thomas is sitting there and he's thinking, boy, that was a good answer to my question. But Philip sat there and said, wait a minute. Now he tells me that I can see the Father. Now, now what did these Jews believe? No man would ever see the Father and live. But they knew Moses was so close to the Father that the Father allowed him to see parts of him. We don't know how much he saw. We just know he saw him from behind. He, laid it. he had a hand. He walked by him. Amen. So who was he looking at? God the Spirit. He was looking at Jesus on the Mount of Sinai. It's who he was looking at. Jesus ain't never been left out of the picture. He's always been in the picture. He just wasn't the Savior. He wasn't the Messiah at the time. He, he was, he's always been the Savior of the world. He always has, always will be. He was the Savior of the world before the foundation of the earth boy was ever created. He was already Savior. Amen. He's there. He's there in every bit of that. Amen. And he was walking then, and he had a hand and everything, and he spoke. Amen. And why didn't they want he, he want them to see him then? Because they're gonna get to see him now in the flesh. Amen. And so he said, <laughs> I, I, "It's just so cool, all this teaching." And and you had known me. You you should have known. My father also. From henceforth you know him and have seen him. Now Philip said, wait a minute. Uh -huh. No, I'm still alive. I haven't seen the father. Because I know that he didn't say it here, but I know that scripture. No man has looked at the father and lived. Nobody. <clears throat> That's what they've been taught. And, she, and how can you tell me that I have seen the father? Wow. <laughs> That's what Philip said. He said, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Do y'all know what that means? Sufficeth. Show us so that we don't have any doubt that we've seen the Father. Show us so we are, can believe you. Now he questions the Lord. 
and look at the response he gets from Jesus. He says, Philip, have I been so long a time with you, yet thou hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. Ooh. Eye opening. See, Jesus knows that now it's time to reveal more of himself. That's what manifestation means. He's beginning to manifest himself to them in ways they hadn't heard him say before. He's taking this opportunity. Remember, he ain't got much time. He needs them to know these things. They don't understand them right now. But on the day of Pentecost, and thereafter, they're going to understand his words. Us, we, we're blessed today. We get saved, we get filled with the Spirit. We can, we can look at this, hindsight, we understand it. That's why it's important to read all the Word. To understand how come they didn't understand it. And we do. It ain't just about me preaching it to you. It's about it's in the Word of God. We get to study the Word of God and see it for our own selves. That's what I love about the Word of God. And, and he said, "You have, have I been with you this long, Philip? And you, you, you still don't know who I am? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And now, how sayest thou then, show us the Father? And you can tell Philip, he don't say much about him anymore. He just kind of, okay, I got him stirred up. <laughs> but Jesus is not angry. He wants them to understand more and more. So, look at verse 10. Believest thou not that I, now here's the Godhead, that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. You know what he's saying? We're synonymous. We're one. You, you can't see him without seeing me. You can't see me without seeing him. And he has the Holy Ghost to that. Not right here, but he does. Later on, he said, the words that I speak unto you, I'm not speaking of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Now they had seen some great works. They had seen Lazarus raised from the dead. They had been buried four days. They had seen some stuff. And now he says he did that. Amen. Remember the prayer that he prayed right before he told Lazarus to come forth? Y'all remember that? And remember why he said he done it? He, he said he, he just did it so they could hear him pray. And it was just a little short, simple prayer. Little bitty prayer for such a great miracle. And then he said, Lazarus, come forth. And he did. And so he did that for their benefit that they that, well, they could believe that the Father was in him and he could raise the dead. And all the things that he did, and he he. he the, the disciples were there. These apostles were there. And he said that the words that I speak unto you are not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. And then look what he said. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. He repeats himself. I need you to know this. I need you to believe this. Boy. And Brother Jerry, don't you think that they didn't really understand it until he ascended into the pit? They don't understand it, but he will. The, the work of the Holy Spirit, we're going to see this in, in a few chapters, is to bring what he said to our remembrance. And he does that. Not only does he bring what he said to their remembrance, he brings them the understanding of what he said. That's what the Holy Ghost does. That's why he says, you got, he wouldn't even let them go out and start preaching. You wait on the, the promise of the Father. You wait on that Holy Ghost. Don't you get, go anywhere. Don't you do anything. Don't you say anything. You get there. You go find your place and you pray till the promise of the Father comes. When he comes, you're going to know it and you're going to know why I had you to wait. That's still an application today. Ain't no man got any business teaching the Word or preaching the Word without being filled with the Holy Ghost. He ain't got that. He ain't got no business preaching. And there's a lot of people that ain't got the Holy Ghost that try to interpret the Scripture for people. Write books on them. They ain't got no business writing nothing if they don't have the Holy Ghost because they don't know anything. Because the Word is spiritually discerned. It is discerned through the Holy Spirit of God. It's designed that way. That's why it's foolishness to a lost man. You can talk to this stuff to a lost man for all day long and he ain't going to believe a word of it. Because he don't have any spirit in him. 
And so, and so he, he, he tells them as he said, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the word's sake. You, if, believe me because I'm telling you this, I'm the one you see, see, saw do all of these great miracles. You were there, you witnessed them. Believe me. Now he says, we got we to finish up here. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, now, now he, he gives them something else to think about. The works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do. Now, there's a lot of people today that take this and say, hmm, I can do greater works than him. I can heal. I can do this. Now what is that? That's pride. It's arrogance. It's also stupidity. Does God honor that? What does the Bible say? Pride goeth before destruction and the Holy Spirit before what? The fall. Pride makes you fall. We don't do these things because of who we are. We do these things in His name because of who He is, and we honor and glorify Jesus for it. And there's going to be people we see in Matthew when Jesus tells us about this, this judgment, where these people that do these things and say these things are going to stand, Why, Lord, I cast out demons in your name. Why, Lord, I did this and I healed the sick in your name. And I don't even know who you are. Because they did it in pride. They did it in arrogance. Amen. Think about that. But he gives us a reason why we can do these things. Do y'all see it? What is the reason? Because I go to my Father. If I, When I go to my Father, all of these things that I'm telling you about now is going to be possible. And they're going to come through a power that you don't know yet. Amen. A power that we're still privileged to, by the way. That's why we don't need to be living defeated life. We just need to stay filled with the Spirit. We need to stay filled with the Holy Ghost. We need to stay full of Him. Amen. So we'll be bold. So we'll have not, and we need it. And let me tell you what. If you'll stay full of the Spirit, you'll want to study the Word of God because He's going to incline you that way. He's going to, he's going to lean you that way. He wants you to understand the Word that he had others to write. And, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, what does the name it claim that preachers preach? That right there. That right there. He said, I can ask anything in his name, and he'll do it. Send me some more money, and I'll show it to you. Kind of way they preach. They're taking it plumb out of context. Yeah. You got you. You got to believe some stuff first. Exactly. You got you got to tell who this is coming from. It ain't coming from the one up there talking. Amen. To God be the glory. Amen. <laughs> Jesus said that right off the bat. I got to be glorified. I got this glorification don't stop with his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. We're still called to glorify him. And if we're not doing that and we're trying to glorify ourselves and manifest ourselves with pride and arrogance, we're going to go straight to hell while we're bragging about I can do it because the scripture says I can do it if I ask it in his name. You don't get to use the word of Jesus in vanity. Amen. And you don't get to use the gifts until the Father lays it on your heart and He puts you in that position. And those gifts that He uses, He will use them at His discretion through you. Amen. And everybody that's sick ain't going to get healed. Everybody that's dead ain't going to get raised from the dead. Everything ain't going to happen the way we want it to. I don't care how many times you evoke the name of Jesus. Why? Because the Father's got a will. 
The Father's got a way. And you say, well, I don't understand what part this person, he can go ahead and let this person live and heal this person. What, they're not going to interfere with that. You don't know any of this stuff. That's right. <laughs> we don't know those, but he does. We don't know what effect we're having. Do we? I don't even know what effect I'm having. Jeremiah puts this thing out and people all over the world hear and see this stuff. What kind of effect is, it, is the church allowing us to have by proclaiming the word that way? We don't know. But we will. We will. Amen. Because the Lord will manifest those things to us at His time and His way. Alright, we're going to stop right here. Any, any questions about this? <clears throat>